For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Steve Morgan. This is Cybertide, a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by AdLumen. Working to revolutionize the way organizations secure sensitive data, AdLumen finds the newest cracks being exploited and shines a light on correcting the issue in real time with expert guidance. To learn more about our sponsor, visit AdLumen. That's A-D-L-U-M-I-N dot com. Joining me today is Mark Sangster, cybersecurity author and award-winning speaker and chief of strategy at Ed Lumen. Mark, welcome. Great to have you on with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I haven't talked to each other in a while, and I got to give a shout out to a fantastic book you wrote, No Safe Harbor. I think you wrote the book around two years ago, maybe a little longer. It's as relevant today as it was the day that you wrote it. And I've got to ask, Mark, are things any different today than they were when you wrote the book? <laughs> you know, I was just talking about that because I'm starting on a second book right now. I'm interviewing a whole bunch of people who have gone through ransomware attacks and so on. You know, what I would say is that it's like what we do to learn to live with the bomb kind of thing. And so there's still a lot of misconceptions, a lot of issues that we have to go through. And certainly the attacks are they're worse than we've seen, right? The tactics are getting smarter and, you know, are, are harder to detect. And I think people still don't understand what the threats look like that they face. You mentioned ransomware. It's at an all-time high. We track this. Amazes me that it's getting worse. You know, no light at the end of the tunnel, but we're fighting the good fight. We're doing what we need to do. You can't pick up a newspaper, let alone the periodicals that we read, the cyber journals, and not see Gen AI insofar as how cyber criminals are, you know, weaponizing it and what cybersecurity professionals are doing to fight back. There's just so much to talk about here. In your book, you cover the insider threat. That's a really big deal. From your perspective, is there any one greatest area of risk that you're trying to highlight for people today that you worry more about than anything else? Ultimately, I think it's perception that, you know, the people harbor, right? Like I'll use a, a movie quote from The Usual Suspects where the bad guy said, the greatest trick that the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And while that sounds like a bit of an exaggeration, I don't think it is, right? I think a lot of the threats come from the misconceptions. You know, we're too small. No one knows we exist. We have nothing worth stealing. Taxer are the result of mistakes that companies make. Or that, you know, we have insurance and backups as if that somehow indemnifies them from these attacks. And I think if you don't really understand what you face, you're not going to take the right measures to protect yourself. Good point. And we'll circle back to that. I want to ask you before we do about humans, are they really the risk, the big risk we should worry about? Can we fix that? Does technology help fix it? Or is it more about changing behaviors? And I probably asked you these same questions two and a half years ago. I do ultimately think that humans are the issue, right? And a lot of people will take that as validation of, yeah, see, people keep clicking on things they shouldn't or downloading documents that they shouldn't. That's not what I'm talking about. First, I want to preface this by saying, look, when we blame people, right, when we constantly blame human error, I think we rob ourselves of the opportunities to truly identify what all the factors were that went into these situations. So it's not good enough just to say, look, the intern didn't patch the firewall and that's how these bad guys got in. Well, was the intern trained? Did they have enough hours in the day? Who supervised them? Was that validated that their work was correct? You know, those kind of things. But ultimately, humans are responsible on some level, right? Whether they're the victim, the unwitting accomplice, whether they're the actor. And so I think we can't ignore it, but I think we have to change the way we do it. And it's a combination of, like you said, people, process, and technology. And a model I like to use is something called COMB or COMB. came from the healthcare world. And it really looked at, you know, how do we improve patient outcomes in high risk, high stress environments like trauma centers as an example. And really what they talked about was the C, the capability, right? Figuring out what the right decisions are to be made. 
The O is opportunity, giving those physicians or security practitioners the chance to see what it looks like in the real world and test themselves. And then the M is motivation, right? So, you know, we punish those that click too much. We make them go to remedial lessons over lunch, things like that. We got to kind of turn this around and think about, well, how do we motivate them to become guardians for us, right? To look out because when we do those things, when we combine those three, the capability, the opportunity, and the motivation, that's when we start to see behavioral change. And the change leads to what the business is looking for from an outcome, which is ultimately reducing the risks, reducing the number of tax or the losses or operational downtime or whatever it is that threatens them the most. So listening to you, Mark, all of that makes a lot of sense. It makes just as much sense as a lot of you know what I read from the marketing collateral put out by so many companies who are providing cybersecurity awareness training for employees. And this market is booming. It was sized by Gartner in 2014 as being about a billion dollars. We're looking at a market that will be $10 billion by 2027. So with all of that, and with the marketing saying, hey, you know, this is how you do it. You know, this is how it works. Why is there such a chronic failure on getting those humans trained up on security? Yeah, I agree, right? I think the marketing is certainly out front of what the capabilities of those services and technologies are. First, I think that the metrics that we use to measure the success of those things really don't represent the reduction in risk. So we're looking at low-level things like satisfaction metrics. You know, did the person enjoy the course? Did they think the instructor was, you know, entertaining and, and informed and so on? Or we look at the learning metrics, right? The click-through rates, the surrender rates, and so on. And while those are interesting, there's a lot of research in this area of training and performance that tells us that they're simply not representative. And so I think that's the first part. So we're measuring the wrong things and it creates this false sense of security. Hey, look, 99% of the people took the course and they got an 85% on average. That's pretty good, right? We should be safe. We've reduced our risk by 85%. There's no correlation between those two factors. The second thing is I think that a lot of the training that we use is very generic and doesn't represent what the person is going to face, right? When something shows up in their inbox or comes knocking at the front door or calls, you know, whatever that might mean. And so we really need something that is more context relevant, where the scenarios accurately represent the threat that that individual poses to the organization. So, you know, if you're in finance, how is someone going to dupe you into making a fake payment? If you're in marketing or sales, how are they going to trick you into surrendering your credentials or information about a customer base? Because then they use that as a supply chain vector to go after that company or a developer, right? How are they trying to get their administrative privileges so that they can get in and deploy code at root source so that, you know, you then become the carrier, right, that takes that out into the broad world that they can attack your customer base. So training really needs to go beyond basic phishing. It really needs to cover the incidents, the cross-team dynamics, and help people understand contextually who's coming after you, how are they going to do it, and what's the impact of the business. Because otherwise, I think we're doing this lather, rinse, repeat kind of nonsense where it's the, well, we got a whatever score in our training system and our fishing lures are going out there and we deal with the people who clicked and failed. You know, we make them sit through a lunch and learn, but it's not solving any of the problems, right? It's effectively, it's a whole lot of noise and we're not measuring the right things. So Mark, I know you talk to a lot of people and your company works you know, with companies of all sizes and types. I want to sort of separate out and ask you about large organizations, Fortune 500, Global 2000. So these organizations have a lot of structure, chief information security officer, teams underneath that. Are they doing a better job, do you think, at planning and deploying training for employees? 
You know, I think larger companies certainly have, you know, they've got uh, deeper pockets, they have larger assets, but of course they have to spread that across a larger constituency. And while I think they have the fundamentals in place, you know, they're going to be ISO certified, they're building out a security framework that meets, you know, NIST 800, whatever it might be, I think they still struggle at the different levels with buy-in with executives that are going to support the program that, you know, will promote that security first culture with mid-level managers who say, ah, you know what, we're too busy for this nonsense. Don't worry about taking that training program. I'll write you the absentee note or, you know, I'll make sure that whatever we get you covered so that you're not going to get into trouble. And I think that's the kind of risk that they're not addressing, right? So it's not the overt risks where we see bad guys and we put things in place to try and stop them. It's the risks of the people who shirk the responsibility, who think they know better, right? And, and I think this is another dynamic that we see gets worse in a larger company is people create their own risk profile based, I think, on their psychology and their personality. So, you know, me, for example, I'm about the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. So am I going to bend some rules to get it done, to do what I believe is right? I am, absolutely. Conversely, other people only go by the letter of law and they're like, I'm never going to do anything that strays from what this program has told me to do. And each one of us can be manipulated in our own way. And I still don't think that large companies are addressing that. Smaller companies, forget it. They're not even looking at this stuff. They are trying to check boxes generally for a compliance standard, right? In banking or healthcare or whatever. But in larger companies, I think we really, really, truly have to start exploring the psychology of people, the psychology of risk, of risk taking, of, of how they deal with stress and those kind of things. Because until then, it's like they've moved it forward. You know, they're doing more than just checking lists. And yes, they have very structured frameworks to which they can match. But I still see in a lot of big companies, they're falling victim. And it's sort of like, yeah, but I had NIST, I had ISO, I had whatever, you know, Noah's Ark, two of everything. How did this happen to me? And it's because you're not addressing the risk. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. AdLumen Inc. provides enterprise-grade security to mid-market organizations. Its security operations platform and managed detection and response services combines all your data into one view to illuminate security risks and accelerate security workflows. Security teams are often stretched thin and are faced with increasing threats to respond to like ransomware and data theft. AdLumen's patented technology simplifies these challenges by providing organizations with machine learning detection and automated response capabilities to halt threats quickly. The platform also includes threat hunting, automated incident response, vulnerability management, honeypots, darknet exposure monitoring, compliance reporting and monitoring, and more. Join the conversation and see how AdLumen can enhance your security program without increasing your workload. Visit adlumen.com. And now back to the podcast. One of the reasons I enjoy talking to you, Mark, and I you know, kind of smile when I'm listening to you is because you're just so blatantly honest <laughs> and we need that. You know, we have guests on and if I ask them a question about, you know, Fortune 500 companies and CISOs, they're going to give me a politically correct answer. But I know you're telling the truth. I have a neighbor and I'm not going to name names, but he works for a very large enterprise and he knows what I do. And we were talking the other day and he brought up a vendor name. I'm not going to mention the vendor name here. And he said, oh, yeah, our company, you know, went through that training. And I was curious. And I said, oh, really, what did it consist of? And at the end of the day, he's a senior manager and he went to one, quote, class and opted out and that was it. And I thought that was really interesting. He felt like it was a waste of time and it wasn't something that he needed. And, you know, he knows enough about cybersecurity not to do X, Y, Z. 
Yeah, you know what? And that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? It's this notion of the mistakes occur. That's why companies get burned or I'm not going to fall for these lures that some other joker clicks on. Reality is they're way more elegant than that. You know, attacks where they pretend to be a professional student at a professional school and they're looking for a mentor. So they work with that senior executive or that partner or that owner for a period of time. And then they send them an email that thanks them and says, hey, by the way, can you complete this link so that I can get academic credit? You know, everyone's going to click on that, right? And I think that's where, when it comes back to it, that person you just described, they need that eye-opener. That's the context I'm talking about. Showing them that this isn't, you know, the email that tells them that their streaming service has rejected their credit card and to click on the link to update their payment. We're talking about something a lot worse than that. And on an executive leadership level, it's about doing that kind of incident response tabletop training where suddenly they realize when I say, let's get technical for a second, we say, oh, we found, you know, Cobalt Strike resident on a couple of domain servers. We're just going to shut them down and that's going to have an impact on our external services. You want an exec to go, you know, the heck you are. Like, what do you mean you're shutting down our banking website? They need to understand not the technical context. They need to understand the context of the business impact and then start to recognize that they have ownership in this. And usually when that happens, right, usually when they start to discover that their IT department is just going to run off and make these material decisions, that's when they want to step in and go, no, hang on a second. I'm going to give you approval to do that. Or before we shut that factory down, I have to go to the board, right? Like they have to understand the kind of losses that we're going to take because of that decision. It's not an IT thing to do. That's where it changes the narrative, right? And I think that's where they kind of open up to, this is a business problem. This isn't an IT issue. Listening to you, I'm hearing a, a lot of culture and I'm wondering, you know, how, how much of, of a cultural change is needed in companies? Do they need to hear from a C-suite executive? Do they need to hear from somebody outside of the CISO and the cybersecurity team talking about the importance of this? I do. I think in general, we often have that sort of uh, consultant bias, which is your internal staff can talk till they're blue in the face and you're still not going to believe it. But then, you know, you pay all this money and a consultant comes in and they say the sky's blue and clouds are white and trees are green. And all of a sudden everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's, you know, it's this epiphany like they didn't know. So I think there's part of that. But I think the other piece is we don't do well with, I think, obscure or abstract statistics. You know, we've been numbered to death now. You know, it's the whatever, it's hundreds of days that a bad guy's resident and the average ransomware, you know, attack costs you millions of dollars. And statistically, 99% of companies are going to get hit. And all those kind of things, I think, eventually become so big that they just become irrelevant and people don't listen. But if you tell them that their neighbor's house got robbed at gunpoint, they're going to go out and get an alarm system, a big dog, move, whatever it is, they're going to take action because it's relevant to them. I think that's what executives need. We need a share where an exec that has gone through this, who's a victim of ransomware, can say, hey, we thought this too. You know, we thought it was easy. We thought our insurance would cover this. We'd be up and running in days. It's been months. We're still not up and running. And to tell them what it's really like to go in front of a board, to deal with insurers, to be, you know, deposed or go through legal discovery if there's actions. Things like that is, I think, what we need to really start sharing because that, I think, hits home way more than us, you know, constantly putting up PowerPoint slides with lots of pretty graphs and lots of pretty numbers. So I know from reading your book and also from talking to you in the past that you follow the geopolitical landscape and you probably know as well as anybody the difference between nation state human targeting and, you know, the, if we want to call them the average cyber criminal or, you know, someone who's just after quote the money. Do you think that most employees at companies understand that threat, you know, these nation state actors that pose a direct risk to them and to their company and are companies talking to their employees about that? 
Yeah, I think the short answer is no. I don't think they understand the risk. I think they, again, abstract it up to nation states, you know, government agencies, government military. They're going to go after their equivalent, right? Their peer. They're going after the federal government, the state level government, military institutions. And what I don't think they understand is like that still is framed in the, you know, old school warfare, right? Where there's combatants and non-combatants and military targets and civilian targets. And the reality is all that stuff's gone, right? Nation states are doing what I think is two different things. One, I think there's generalized farming for the future, right? They're using standard, you know, tactics, techniques, and procedures. They're fishing. They're collecting information. Maybe they don't care about an aluminum factory somewhere in the Midwest, right? That's really not relevant to them. But they're going to pull that together because who knows? Down the road, there's a trade war. Suddenly, there's a disruption and a dispute between countries or regions over, you know, tariffs around aluminum, something like that. And that suddenly has strategic value to them as a sort of a cyber military target. Then there's the other ones that I think fall in that sort of bucket of how they believe things work, which is the Jason Bourne type attacks, right? That's the, we want into this military contractor because they have invisible, you know, technology for soldiers, or they have whatever we think is going to be a game changer on the battlefield. That's a very surgical type of strike where they build a, you know, CIA type of campaign like we like to watch in these spy movies. And most companies think it's that, and that's where they're missing the point. That's the exception. Yes, that does go on. But the norm is these guys are out there trolling. They are picking off targets. Either, as I said, it's opportunistic and maybe they put it on a shelf for the future. Or frankly, what I think also companies don't know, and I'm doing some research on this now, is how these cyber crimes fund these governments. They operate like a profit center, right? They go and they steal all this money from banks or manufacturers or law firms or healthcare institutions in terms of, you know, in forms of either business email compromise or ransomware payments. And then they're taking that to fund other operations, whether it's more cybercrime or whether it's actually something kinetic, right? Where it's, you know, the Russians are using cybercrime to generate revenue and that money is being used to buy arms that they're launching at the Ukraine. I think that's what people don't understand. So you are a target. It doesn't matter how small you are, where you're located, your zip code is irrelevant. It's your IP address that matters. So I got us on a large enterprise track and I asked you about Fortune 500 companies and a lot of what you're talking about, whether or not companies are actually taking action or prioritizing, they at a surface level understand it. One of the things I really liked about your book is that while it talks to large enterprises, it also talks to midsize and small businesses where they don't understand a lot of this stuff. So they're at risk, but they don't understand the risk. So before we let you go today, speak to those small businesses, Mark, any words of wisdom? You know, what should the business owner, small company, CEO, midsize company be aware of now in 2024 and doing any differently to protect their companies? Yeah, for sure. When you look at, as an example, when you look at insurance data on things like claims against cyber policies, the majority of those claims come from small, medium-sized businesses. They're not coming from the Fortune 500s. So the press kind of gives you a bit of a false sense of security because they're covering those big, you know, Fortune 100 brands. They don't talk about the little manufacturing firm that got hit in South Dakota. And that's the problem, right? So they really do need to recognize as a business leader, you have to recognize that you are a target. You have to understand what the risks are that face your business, you know, whether, like I said, that's an operational outage in a factory or in a healthcare facility, 
whether that's significant financial losses that might cripple the business, whatever it is. You have to understand the obligations around that. So if you have the specific data, you have the kind of information. And then, you know, put that program together. Figure out how you're going to protect it. The biggest thing I can say is talk to your technical people. Business leaders, sit down with your IT leaders and try to find the same language or a common language so that you can tell them this is what matters to my business. If you've got finite resources, here's what I want you to protect first. And then you want the technical leaders to say, okay, I got that. Here's what I'm going to do to then go and protect those systems. And here's how I'm going to prove it to you through reporting, through metrics, and so on. And a lot of times, man, ask for help. There's a lot of people out here, CISA, you know, government agencies, individuals like me, and so on, who will help you walk through this. You don't have to do it on your own. You know, and I think that's an important one too, right? No one expects you to be a hero. No one expects you to stand up to this kind of threat in isolation, right? Ask for help because there's a lot of resources out there. So before you go, Mark, 30,000 foot view on Ed Lumen, very interesting company. Spent a lot of time, you know, reading through what they're doing to help companies of all sizes. Yeah. So you know what? It's in the same vein of what we're talking about now, which is these were ex-NSA, retired NSA individuals who brought their expertise of knowing what attacks looked like, what defenses looked like, the research they had done in the private sector afterwards, and cleaning up incidents that had occurred. And they knew that the most vulnerable space in the economy was small to medium-sized business. So they wanted to create a security platform that helped those companies protect themselves. So effectively, we have an XDR platform that pulls in all the information from their network and their cloud and their endpoint. It allows you to do the investigations. It will automatically do the response pieces of this. So you can block compromised accounts or shut down infected systems, whatever it might be. And then we have that traditional MDR service sitting on top of it the managed detection response, the SOC, right? Security Operations Center 24-7 using the same platform. And why I came here and why I love this company is the fact that what our customers can see is exactly what our SOC sees and vice versa. So it isn't a black box. It's not behind the curtain. Everybody knows what's going on. And it allows them to retain some level of control and co-management rather than kind of just handing it off and, you know, really hoping that whatever's going on in that security operations center on some other part of the world is doing its job. And the only way they're going to find out is when it's too late. And so, you know, I think that visibility has really kind of moved things forward. Well, Mark, it was great to have you on with us. This is our first episode and we've got 11 more. So there's a lot to talk about. Is your book going to be out this year in 2024? I'm hoping it will be. We're actually in the midst of interviews right now. Like I said, interviewing victims and people who do, you know, love the law enforcement side and the cleanup side and so on. So that's the idea. If not, it'll be early next year, but I'd love to get something into a place where we can get that out in the fall. All right. Well, that's great, Mark. We'll look forward to catching back up with you soon. Yeah, me too. Talk soon. For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Steve Morgan. Cybertide is a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by Ed Lumen. Working to revolutionize the way organizations secure sensitive data, Ed Lumen finds the newest cracks being exploited and shines a light on correcting the issue in real time with expert guidance. To learn more about our sponsor, visit edlumen.com. That's A-D-L-U-M-I-N.com. You can keep up with all of our media at cybercrimemagazine.com.